Well, I feel honoured. Racing only better. Unfortunately, Vanessa Ryle is not able to join today. So I am in the hot seat. Can't believe it. Absolutely honoured. But nice to see you all. Tony, Kevin, Dan, the regulars are here. TC, we'll start with you. How are things? All good? Yeah, all good. Yeah. Looking, for good. A, looking forward to a big day. We have some mega racing coming up, haven't we? Looking forward to get, getting stuck in. Um, Kevin, you must be heading over, if you're not here already, for the Racing League tomorrow. That gets going. I mean, today, Megan Nichols. Today, this evening. Look, I'm here. Look. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm here on the seaside. And that's what Tony Calvin is so excited about as well. We we're just uh -huh. talking it's off a... air. And Calvin is bristling with excitement for the Racing League. So great to be here. He's, he's, he bought that pillow to uh, suffocate any dissenters at Yarmouth tonight. So. <laughs> 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 Luckily, there's only five turning up at the crowd. So it's just uh, it's his work out there. Oh, I just pulled three now, I think, to encourage people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I believe they've sold 2,000-plus tickets, I'll have you know, a mighty crowd for Yarmouth on a Thursday. Yeah, so, yeah. How much did that say you back, team. Kev? How much did that? <laughs> <laughs> good, good bone deal, Dan. Good deal. <laughs> oh, well, Dan, nice to see you as well. You're uh, clearly in top form. It's taken all of about 30 seconds, and you're already bringing the banter. Love it. Um, how are things? Red hot with time for <laughs> Yeah, all good, thank you. Dan. Yeah, Eric Bantanar <laughs> over it. Um, yeah, all good, Megan. All good. Enjoying your other ventures as well, your shows with uh, Daryl. And I promise not to say anything bad about Kevin. I'll be really complimentary throughout. That's very kind. <laughs> you know, he's sat there on our pod as well, so you've got to be kind to him. Too right, yeah. That's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was actually trying to say that he wasn't going to slag off my partner's riding ability rather than well, actually uh, Kevin Blake. But anyway, we'll take it. As we, yeah. <laughs> I didn't anyway. mean start. Yeah, not Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you might. Have now I tried to get it in the Murray and Shondon, but I'm letting you know now. <laughs> um, right before we got, get started, actually, something that is serious to note: we have got um, an offer this Saturday. Bet £5 on horse racing multiples and get a free £5 on horse racing multiples. So anyone that wants to get involved, make sure you make note of that. Um, Tony, before we get stuck into racing at Ascot and York, have you got a bit of a going update for us? How's it looking? I have. Uh, Ascot is soft, good to soft in places after they got 17 mil Wednesday into Thursday. should say we're recording this three o'clock on Thursday afternoon. And... It's very similar at York. They got eight mil on Wednesday into Thursday. They are also soft, good to soft in places. What I would say is there is very limited rainfall now, hardly any mm -hmm. tracks. So I'm working on the basis of good to soft at both, maybe good to soft, good in places. If if the forecast is correct, and we all know Ascot dries out very quickly, uh, so it might not be too bad. To be honest, that is um, the dream scenario, isn't it? No, no real excuses with, with beautiful ground like that. So I am looking out the window currently about half an hour away from Ascot, and I'm not going to lie, it's chucking me down. So hopefully I'm in a little bubble of rain right now, yeah. But anyway, hopefully the forecast, although it lies to us a lot, it hasn't lied to us too much, and we, we get some beautiful ground for the weekend. Um, we better get started because we've got seven races to preview. We'll start with, I think, York. And um, we've got our jump jockeys, pulling the jerks up, getting a bit of a speed rush, probably screaming and petrified as they enter the stalls. But it's always a, a fun race, the, the jump jockeys, none thought. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you on this. It's always a competitive, hilarious race. Strong fancies, what's your opinions? 
Not really. But this is the time where I always um, do an anecdote about Kevin Darley. I remember him riding a horse called Kalatagan in a in the equi- like the opposite race. So it was flat lads going over hurdles for a while, <laughs> and I think you could hear him farting with nerves approaching the third last. And <laughs> he he was. I, he was looking for a stride from the moon. It was it was quite staggering. Uh, it's just, so this isn't quite as thriller minute, but some of these lads probably won't have been as fast as they'll go this often. We know there's an element of cartoonish about it, isn't it? It's a bit of just a novelty as much as anything. There's no jump racing for a couple of days. I landed with no great conviction on Soul Seeker, who's a speed horse who'll go forward. It looked to me and a couple of colleagues I chatted to that the, the draw might have shifted back to low at the last York meeting. He's got form in the mud, but he's equally versatile if it dries out. He'll be on the front end. He'll be out of trouble. And I sort of feel that's a prerequisite for this race. An uncomplicated sort that's just going to go and get a handy position because some of these lads are used to jumping over obstacles rather than weaving their way through 20-odd rivals. So not too tactical for you? No, just blast and go, please, Michal Nolan. Kick and send. Um, TC, what about you? Do you think it's going to be straightforward or are we going to see a bit of a, a messy race? Um, you've got eight forward goes here. They're all across the track, so I couldn't see any angular into the, uh, to the draw. Um, first thing to say is Count Dorsey is eight to one. That's due to run at Yarmouth tonight. So whether that, whether or not that goes, I'm not so sure, but we've got five places here. If you want to play into this kind of race, um, the horse, the horse for money. It's been I at Maggie. Um, mm. It's uh, Sportsbook actually. The Flutter Group were the only firms to uh, to price this up uh, earlier in the week, and the Sportsbook went thirty three to one about her. That got taken, and she's been steadily backed all in into eight to one now. So you can see the angle. I imagine the angle there is Paul Town in riding, but um, but you know, the, and the horse has been finished last on his last on her last two starts, but. She's come down to a really good mark. She was 85 five starts ago after winning. She's now down to 78 because of those poor recent runs. Um, she's got very good York records. Mm. Uh, with the five places, she's run at York 10 times. If she, if you had five places every time she ran, uh, you'd have copped seven out of 10 times. She hasn't, she's not a winning machine, but she has won this season. So I thought, oh yeah, Maggie, um, would maybe be the one into this, but. You know, the jockey's numb fork, naught to 80, sprint handicap, full of the jumps, boys. I probably won't be having a bit. No, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I like Aeopis Maggie. She's she's a little legend and uh, she she won't be minding a bit of juice in the ground either. So I suppose it'll be interesting to see how the tracks are riding um, as to how testing it gets or not. Our next race at York is, I suppose, if you like, a proper sprint handicap in that we've got the flat jockeys back on board it is the dash six furlongs so a slight step up in trip again it's red hot really competitive we've got lots of the usual sort of northern sprint kings if you like with plenty of runners good damn we'll go back to you again any strong opinions and thoughts here um fairly strong i do think music society is absolutely nailed on to run really well again um, I've been on this Mondamedge trail for, uh, train for a while, but I think six furlongs in the soft might stretch him. You've got Summergand at the top. They're amongst the two drawn low. So if, if my belief in the earlier sprint, the Nunthorpe, the Jockey's Nunthorpe, Trump Jockey's Nunthorpe is borne out, then the maybe shorteners amongst the lower stalls. Um, Summergand and Mondamedge are two of those 
down towards the bottom, but there must be a chance that Summergan just isn't the force of all. And I've never really wanted him on bad ground either. Um, I'd expect Abraham a goal to one of the pace forces. TC, I'm sure, will flesh out who he thinks will go from the front. But I do like Music Society. He too, really versatile regarding conditions, but he's probably at his very best in the mud. He's been running well in defeat all season. In a bunch finish at air the other day, he was just nutted by a horse who's who's progressive, even though he's a seven-year-old. The third horse arrived in tip-top form, Rock Melody. She's been placed since. So I thought he had a lot going for him at 11-1. to 1, And the places, four places at the moment, additional place effectively is a bit of an icing on the cake. Okay, nice uh, angle in for that one. TC, have you got much more of a pace angle on yep. your side or are you agreeing with Dan? Uh, no, I never agree with Dan. Um, <laughs> I've got Manella Scouse, 25 to 1 shot. I've got that one, the sole pace low. But I've got Lucky Man in 9. It just takes time 10. Levi, Lethal Levi in 13. Hyper Focus in 14. Which leads me to an absolutely ideal pace setup for Abarama Gold. Uh, four to one with uh, four places with the sports hook, nine to one, an absolutely cracking bet. Now, this horse has got loads of York form, um, won a listed race as a juvenile there and was actually, um, fifth in this race last year, beating just over a length off a two pound high mark. And anybody who saw uh, his run last time, uh, first start for David O'Mara, uh, at air would be all, will be all over him there. Uh, I think he'll go a favorite that day at air. Um, uh, they went really quick early, uh, and um, Danny Tutto made his move at the furlong marker and he went too soon. Um, he traded four to six in running, he got picked up late by four horses that got rode a much lot chillier than him. So I think you can massively mark up that run. The handicapper actually dropped him a pound for it, which I can't believe. He's now on a mark of 88. He's got a peak rating of 103. Given the course form, given his ground versatile, and he's won on heavy, he's won twice on good to firm, so he can dry out as much as he wants. Um, yeah, if they can build on that first run for a stable, I haven't really got a lot of time for because they're just a numbers operation. But if Abarama Gold can build on that air run, then I think he'll start favouring. I think he'll go very close. It's a sprint handicap, so he could, he could shit out totally. But... Uh, that's going to be my biggest bet of the weekend. And you think oh, you'll just see the theme of shit again? Hey? Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. That um, toilet theme returning oh, to the podcast oh, again. I was actually just asking a slightly more sensible question, and I, th- I was just saying, are you, are you, um, <laughs> you thinking he's just going to sit in behind the pace and take a nice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, he had gone forward before, as, as Dan said, but with four horses immediately immediately kind of all around him all like to go forward and given that he went too soon last time i think he'll just sit behind those four and pounce i might have a saver on manila scouts at 25 uh because like i said that one uh went forward in the air race last time that abarama gold you know finished fifth after traded odds on so i think if you've got one drawn free he's going to get a solo on his part of the track and uh abarama goes a waiting ride behind four speed horses like I said, I think it's the ideal pace setup, but it's a sprint handicap. Anything can happen. We all know it's like lottery time, but nines four places is the better weekend for me. And would you be for or against having a couple of pounds taken off his back 
in this type of race. Three pound taken off by Mark Wynn. Would you like that angle? I know nothing about him. I, I think it looks pretty good, Megan. Do you agree? I, I, he's, I, all I do know is I had a look at his record this year. He's, he won on his last two starts going to, going to first his racing. So, but jockeys mean absolutely nothing to me, as regular listeners will know. But <laughs> if he takes free up and he's confident, fine. But all he's got to do is not press the button too early. Right. Well, there you go. He's had his instructions off of the Racing Only Better podcast. Um, Okay, our highlight of York is the York Stakes. We have an exciting, although small field, taking part here. Kevin, we're going to start with you. My Prospero dropping back in grade. What do you think? Red Hot? Yeah, look, My Prospero is a tricky one. Look, it, it certainly is a drop in class. Royal Ascot last time, um, he got blown away along with the rest of them by Mustard Daff. Um, and I, I was a shade disappointed with him there. And look, while you have to respect him coming back down to a group two, um, he is short enough for me. Um, and I actually like the outsider of the whole lot, um, Check and Challenge. Um, he's a horse that, that has a big one in him, I feel. Um, he was right up their tails in the um, QE2 on Champions Day last year, the last time he got a bit of an ease in the ground. And I've been looking forward to him going up to 10 furlongs. And he did so in, in the Wolverton last time, but the race just didn't go for him. Um, like I, he was way out of his ground and I don't think he really had a shot um, at them that day. Um, they've stuck a visor on, which is, which is quite, quite aggressive. But look, I think there's scope for him to do better over this trip. And a bit of an ease in the ground is going to be no problem at all. And just being the outside of the field, double figure price in a five runner race. Um, I thought he was really interesting. So he was my pick. That headgear added could be interesting. See how he takes that. Um, TC, what do you think? Owen Burroughs has done extremely well with horses that have been off the track for a long time, and he's got one here in Australia. Would you be siding with this horse, or are you looking elsewhere? Um, as Kevin rubbished my first time headgear stats on WhatsApp group earlier in the week, <laughs> I, I won't tell him the William Knights' record with a first time visor. Or do you want to know? Yeah, there are listeners. Uh, Even if Kevin <laughs> thinks it's irrelevant. It must be I'm <laughs> William Knight is 12 from 97 since 2009 with first-time visor. And given his overall strike rate with first with with the headgear unknown chucked in, I think that's that's decent. So that, that's a support of sorts for your case there. I think we might have a case of Alazi Mark II here. I was going to say that. <laughs> with, um, uh, with the favourite, because obviously on all known form, on his champion stakes, um, third, he's unpenalised for his group two win. I mean, th this favourite, sh you know, sh really should be winning this, but five to four against four decent, uh, you know, four decent rivals and, and the visor first time checking challenge. I think. Five to four is too short. Um, it's not that too short because he's 2.42 on the exchange at the moment, but I can see this horse drifting. I wouldn't touch him at five to four. I probably wouldn't even touch him at 2.42. I I have a suspicion you might get a bit two to one about this horse because he's coming off the back of a really poor run uh, at Ascot. But and the market foretold that because he was a weak as, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, a weak as. Weaker's baby's piss at we should rename this podcast Toilet oh. Only Better. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um yeah, and, and I just think it's got I think he's got it won't be as marked as Al Arzi, but this is the kind of horse I'll probably end up back in if he does hit twos on the exchange. 
And it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if he did, given that run last time. So no bit for now, but keep an eye on the exchange and pounce if he hits twos. Okay, and Dan, you sort of sounded as if you were thinking along the same type of lines. Yeah, um, and I think the thing with Mario Prospero, where there was with Al Azi, there was always a concern about him, even though apparently William Haggis wasn't too happy about the fact he had a time form squiggle. There have been times where he's looked sure to win and hasn't. But just look at, I think Mario my, my Prospero is completely genuine to that end for the same stable. Haggis at York. Another tick in the box. Loves but being right on the heels of Baybridge and Adeha when they were both on top form in the champion stakes is a class apart from these. I think I'd be on similar lines as Tony. It's five to four being a bit too short to back him now. Not because I think he's an atrocious price, just because I think you will get bigger. I think it's a time to show a bit of restraint and patience. I'd be happy with 13 to eight or bigger. That would be my cutoff point. And I think... It should be 8-13 to 13 if you're judging purely on what he did at Ascot last season and indeed probably what he did in France prior to that. OK, so we've got a couple of votes for Mike Prospero. I'd be quite interested in seeing Alphalia only because I know Owen Burroughs is a master at getting them back and it, he was an improving horse last year. But um, small select field, competitive nonetheless. Um, we're going to switch tracks and head over to Ascot and have a look Firstly, with the Princess Margaret. Um, TC, what are we thinking? Soprano, interestingly, will go favourite, is declared to run tonight and still not a non-runner. They are literally, she is literally trading even money at 3.15 at Sandown as we speak here. So you have to assume there's going to be a rule four here. Um, the sports book are three to one, so you're going to get hefty rule four there. So just bear that in mind. Um, the horse that I wanted to side with here was uh, Symbology from Clive Cox. But the problem is the sportsbook are alive to that one, her chance, and they actually put her in as 11 to 4 favourite. And when you factor in the uh, the rule four after that, you know, she's going to be 9 to 4. So you will get bigger than that. Um, but I mean, the angle with Symbology is Clive Cox's two-year-olds don't tend to win first time up unless they're really good. Um, mm -hmm. got and any number of his two-year-olds, his good two-year-olds, always get beaten first time up. And even this year, just saw who won the July stakes by a couple mm. of legs, got beaten first time up at Salisbury. So when they tend to win first time up, they tend to be pretty decent. And he seems to have a decent batch this year. He's 13 from 41 with his two-year-olds this year, which is a just under a 33% strike rate. So that tells you a story. And he she did it really well at York from a punted David O'Mara horse who had a couple of runs behind her as well. So I expect big improvement there. But uh, the sports we do as well. The exchange is probably around nine to two at the moment with a rule for with a reduction factor to come. But I'll be looking after. I think four to one after Soprano comes out about symbology. I think it might be attainable, uh, and I think I might have a rare two-year-old bet if I can get fours after Soprano. Presumably comes out. Do, I, it might sound totally bonkers, but I've seen. Stranger things happen. George Bowie does turn his horses around quickly if they... I know it's a different scenario. We've got a two-year-old, but is she definite... You know, are we looking at this or she's a definite non-runner? Or are we going to be open right if they turned a two-year-old around within two days? Okay. Like you could do. I mean, if she bolted up, it might be attractive. Who knows? But I, I just wouldn't be totally ruling out the fact that she would come again. I don't... I, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um... Okay, Kevin, what about you? What are you thinking? Two-year-old fillies. It's uh, 
always a test when the ground is on the slower side. Yeah, and look, I think Pretty Crystal will probably be be just fine on that. Um, she was good first time out of ripping um, and ran great, like in the Albany. Um, like, you know, Soprano represents that form as well. Um, finished just in front of um, Pretty Crystal, but um, we assume the Pretty Crystal won't have her to deal with in this. And it was just a lovely run. Myler in due course. So I thought that was a fair run. I think that the easier ground won't be an issue at all. Um, pedigree wise, action wise, etc. And look, I think that that this race, you know, you'd expect her to come on from what she did at Ascot. Um, I thought she shaped quite well. She was going on the line, and yeah, she ticked the box for me. Uh, and just a slight potential word of warning on symbology. Um, in that TC, of course, is right in saying that Clive Cox wouldn't have a whole heap of first time out winners, but um, just from a pedigree point of view, um, this one's bull sister. You'll remember her last year, Katie Content. Um, I loved her early on and she won first time. And in fairness, she did step up the next time, but she never did it again afterwards. And she's a small little filly. Um, Katie Content, that is. Um, I didn't get, I didn't have the scene symbology. I don't know if she's got a bit more scope about her. I know it's a small family. Um, so you definitely have to be down at the front of the parade ring TC with your, with your, with your paddock watching um, glasses on. Yeah, she made a lot of money as a yearling, so maybe she has a bit more scope than some of the family, but it's just a cautionary note, like it's a fast family and, and a sharp family, um, so there just might, but the point is there just might not be as much improvement as you might expect from a typical one of Clive Cox's that wins first time. But um, I look, I'd be open to revising that if we get to see her in the parade ring and she's, you know, 16 hands with um, with plenty of scope, etc. Um, just really quickly before we move on, uh, you mentioned a bit of Royal Ascot form. Now, Pretty Crystal was three quarters of a length ahead of Comat. Pretty Crystal four to one, Comat about 11 to one. Would you be thinking, oh, might have a bit of value there with a the bigger price runner, not much ground to make up? Or would you be thinking yeah. Pretty Crystal is the one to improve most? And look, if there's anyone else riding Comet, I'd give her a great chance. But the jockey booking <laughs> is re is re is really off putting. Um, no, look, perfectly fair point. Um, look, I I like to think that Pretty Crystal would have more improvement. Um, Comet had, had the, the benefit of one extra run, and it's just that bit more sharply bred. Um, and you know, everyone knows with the ammo operation. You know, they do. They are given a good air, a good squeeze early on to be forward and and do plenty early. So, um, that would be my thought. It's it's perfectly fair observation in terms of the the, the maybe the gap in the price shouldn't be as big, but I I can see why it is. Um, I just think Pretty Crystal might have a bit more um, natural improvement than come at, but um, don't let me put you off. Yeah, interesting. Hey, it- you know, easy for me to say when it was an hour racing horse. I just meant more the fact that, you know, when the form lines up and they're not far apart with the price mm. just differently, how you kind of look at that. Um, anyway, a couple more races still to touch on. So next up is the Valiant Stakes. This is a mile for the Phillies and Mares. Dan, let's start with you. We have pretty decent field, I thought. Ten runners. It's um, a pretty competitive race. There's not bundles between... A lot of them on ratings. Are you particularly strong on on anyone? Uh, Random Harvest, I think, has the best form, courtesy of top-level performances. Even that run in the Falmouth wasn't atrocious, but they're keeping her very busy. She's run at basically every big festival. That would be a negative for me. 
I think Roman Mist is still interesting in short for Archie Watson. He's had him for only three runs. He was a listed winner for, for Tom Ward last season. His three runs for Watson have included a win in a Phillies listed race first time out where she improved, maybe not loads, but enough. She then didn't perform at Epsom, but forgive any horse that. And then she went to Ascot and I thought ran really well off a high mark, mark of 101 in the Kensington Palace where she was in the firing line a long way out. It was one of those Ascot races on the week and we saw plenty, didn't we, on the round course where principles were just dominating coming wide and late in a lot of races and I thought she was a lot better than that result I think Watson will get even more out of her he's shown with the likes of Bradsell hasn't he in recent weeks that when you think a horse has peaked with one of his that's not often the case and he can get that little bit extra out of them so that's my angle into this now a few of these have made the running again I think Tony will probably flesh it out a bit more but I think when you're dealing with basically largely unexposed horses whose riding style isn't yet distinct, I wouldn't be so dogmatic to think that one of those that made the running in a little minor event somewhere at a short price is an inveterate front runner. I think Roman Mist is that. She'll race prominently. I think she might get the run of the race around here. And yes, we've had pace collapses on this track before, but this is half the field size of what we'd expect at Royal Ascot. And she beat most that day when she was probably ridden a bit too aggressively. Okay, interesting. Um, obviously, this is on the round track, so the stalls can be just as much of a influence in, in horses getting that prominent position or not. Um, Kevin, we've got an Irish raider. Cadu Bell comes over for Johnny Murta, two from two, stepping up in grade again, comes over to England to, to try her hand, and obviously three-year-old, they get that weight balance. Yeah, and Joseph has one over Thornbrook as well, and we just want the ground to dry up, ideally. But Caddo Bell is the one I like, actually. Uh, um, like, I think she's slipping under a little bit at the prices here because, like, look, she's she's a filly that's taken them by surprise. Like, she went off, uh, albeit a well back forward to one, in, like, a, a pretty shocking maiden, a Goran first time, and she won quite well without blowing anyone away. But, Jesus, she was good in a, in a listed race at Navin last time against her elders, um, came from a fair way back, won with plenty to spare, um, like she's clearly a filly that that's on the march, and um, that that form has even held up quite well. Stins the second, and I think the fourth have come out and represented it very well. Um, so Caddo Bell, like I thought, was was a very fair price. Now, um, I could see her shortening. Um, look at uh, and look, I, I wouldn't like to put a seeding on her now. I think she could be quite nice, and um, yeah, the trip over might prove fruitful. Yeah, interesting. I, I I wasn't forgetting the fact that Joseph had a runner. I just sort of thought that the uh, Johnny Murter feeling might have been more appealing in in this race this time around. Obviously, we, we we've got a bit of an insight with you. Um, the the ground would have to be drying up for Thornbrook to put her best foot forward. Is that is that definitely the case? Yeah, look, actually, she should be fine with it with a bit of an ease in it, but she just wouldn't want to test thing, you know. Um, okay. like she was good and hardy when she won the Chantee last time. It was great to get um. To, to make her a stakes winner, she's very well bred. Um, and look at anything after now as a bonus. If she slipped into the frame, it would be it would be considered a good result too. Um, but look, if the ground dries out, she'll have her chance. She seems to be um, progressing. She's she's bred to progress. So yeah, fingers crossed for her. Um, TC tactically, do we think this is going to be a muddling race or pretty straightforward? Um, plenty of pace in here. I've got four front uh, four goers. I've got two question mark prominent races. I think it'd be well run. 
One of the horse I like most, I won't be having a bet in the race, and the horse I like most uh, is a horse called Vetiver, who she has made all the running before, but in lesser company, um, as Dad said, uh, Dan said earlier. Um, I, you go and have a look at that Carlisle win last time over seven furlongs on soft ground. She overcame all sorts of trouble to get up uh, close home. She actually won quite snugly. I think the step up to a mile will, will suit. Obviously, she's got a lot more on her plate there, but I thought seven, eight to, um, seven to one with the sports, or eight to one currently on the exchange. I thought that was a fair price without uh, me kind of like having a punt. But yeah, I, I did like that win last time. Um, it, it might have, and then it was a much improved one, and it came in first time, a first time tongue tie. So, and that's retained. So maybe she did have an issue with her breathing, and that's why she, she stepped forward so much at Carlisle. But she was valued for far, far more than the winning margin there. And yeah, Vetiver would be my token selection. I think she'd be ridden a bit less handy uh, given the pace up in the field. And PG McDonald back on board three from three on her. So that's always a, a nice angle. Um, next up, the three o'clock, the Murat and Shandon International or Heritage Handicap, big field, lots of places. We love this. It's, um, as they always are, very competitive. The stall, or the draws can be hugely influential because will there be a split? Which side do we want to be when the ground is a bit slower? Kevin, let's start with you. What are we thinking? Biggles is favourite at the moment, having won the Bunbury Cup pretty well. Yeah, look, look I was favouring fresh. Um, not a bullish view. Um, you don't short enough for a type of for this type of race, but um, I think he shaped really well in the Walkingham last time. And look, he's shown his prowess over this course of distance. In the past, um, you know, easing the ground is going to be no issue at all. Um, that run of the Walkingham kind of represented a step right back in the right direction. And look, he won over course and distance off 102 um, as recently as September. He's off 101 here. Um, he'll do for me. I think he's very solid. Tony, you sound as if you do have a bit more of a sort of um, opinion when it comes to the, the stoopers and the track position in, in a race like this. There is no guaranteed habitual front runner in this race. so. That's something to bear in mind. With that, that little crawl in, the, in you this, you might be looking. You might be best placed being in the middle, so the jockey has options, as they say. Because I've got, I've got eight forward goers here in three. Oh, I'll read out in weight order: 12, 21, 26, 9, 8, 3, 22, 17. But like I said, they they've gone forward in the past, but they are not guaranteed to go forward. So I don't know where you want to be here. Um, I, I think I might just be slightly bonkers here, but I've got one that I thought maybe would go forward that you've not. You, you Baffortino, no. Well, say Boyd, he's done a bit of everything, but when on on the right day, he can be pretty. He pretty used to always go from the front there. Yeah, yeah like I said, he's not. He's not. Obviously, he's not. He has, and a few of these have, but he's not always. He's not always go forward. So they've all got the option too. But like I said, there was no make. There was no. There was no guaranteed front runner in here that I can see anyway. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, the horse for money has been Baradar. Um, I was looking at the race before the five-day entries came out at 12 o'clock on Monday, and Baradar was 20s and 16s. And once it was confirmed for the race around about 11 o'clock, there was a mini gamble on it before, before midday on Monday. And uh, the Sportsbook actually were 14s, and they actually got filled in to 11 o'clock, uh, to 11 before, before 12 o'clock. So... And that's sustained, uh, 11, 11 to 2 now. Uh, and you can see the case for him. I mean, the rain's a big, the rain is a big positive. 
Uh, I'm not having a dig here, but he did get a poor ride uh, in the Victoria Cup where yeah, where Kevin went diagonally left, didn't get a run, were on the near rail, had to switch again to the centre, and he did remarkably well to, to finish as close as he did in the circumstances. Right off the run last time, doesn't go on fast ground. Yeah. I thought Paradar had a lot, a lot going for him. I think the seven furlongs will suit. I mean, he traded at massive odds on when a, when third in the Lincoln. I just think he's got a lot going for him. He wouldn't want it to dry out, but he shouldn't be that bad for him. He he, got, he has an obvious chance, but his price is gone, isn't it? I mean, you're getting five places in the sports book, but eleven to two. No, I mean you, there is sevens on the exchange, but no. I um I tipped up Tackery Bay at twenty fives on um, Tuesday. Uh, he's 16s on the exchange. He's he's into 12s with the sports, but I just think he's got a lot going for him. He's a very tricky horse, so they gelded him from, since, since last since last saw him in April. So I think that's a positive. Um, he's got loads of Ascot form. He's a pound lower than Munford in the Balmoral. Uh, goes well when fresh. Uh, like I said, decent handicap mark. Uh, and I think if you go back and look at the Balmoral over a mile, I think a strongly run seven furlongs, and he's not certain to get the strongly run seven furlongs. So I think, I think stepping back to seven furlongs will suit. So I think if you can get 16 to one or bigger, Tackery Bay win only on exchange, that's the way to play it afresh. Tackery Bay for me. Okay. And Dan, have you got a pick in this? We like the, we like the big prices. We like those type of angles, but uh, it's uh, red hot at the top as well. Yeah, I'm loath, Megan, to say that I think the favourite's not a bad price in a handicap of this nature, but I was so impressed with Biggles in the Bunbury Cup. When you consider he ended up sprinting two lengths clear under Ryan, mere £3 penalty. Look at the margins back to the rest. The rest are all like nose, head, half a length, quarter, quarter of a length. I mean, he in the circumstances, that was a, a bloodless win. I think he's destined for much better things. He's already got a verdict over Baradar from two starts back. And fundamentally, he's an extremely prolific horse who the market seemed to have a very high opinion of all season. He's been favourite on three of his four starts, or very close to it, including the Buckingham Palace, where he ended up on the wrong side. First home in that group. I just think we're dealing with a potential group horse here over this sort of trip. You can see him running races like the Lennox next season rather than handicaps. And yeah, he's he's got a three-pound penalty for turning one of the most competitive handicaps of the season into a into a bloodbath later on. Hey, interesting. Rafe Beckett represented with a couple of runners. Ryan Moore obviously keeps the ride on board Biggles, which is a positive, I'm sure, for many. Um, okay, well, our final race, the sort of build-up has uh, taken us to the talking race of the year i think it's fair to say the king george i mean wow we are spoiled this weekend loads of good racing but this is just in another league unbelievable let's start with you tony i mean tactically fascinating but the talent on show is just beyond yeah i haven't spoken to ryan about this yet um i think he was riding work to it sounds like he's writing about 100 pieces of work this morning. So okay. I'm speaking to him later. So no no nuggets from him yet. Um, I just think this is an absolute fascinating race from a tactical point of view. Mm-hmm. Got pole driver who can go forward. Uh, but also the three other four goals in the race just happen to be Aidan O'Brien horses. And they just happen to be drawn one, two and five. Yeah. 
And I just think they're all going to go forward. They're all going to sit on the inside. They're going to try and stick a wall up. So I think hook them in, King is sitting in three, and then hook them in four could well be squeezed up. Uh, so, it, no, these team tactics may not happen, but I just thought it, it has a look of me about three going forwards and August Rodan on the outside and 11 out of trouble. So I'd love to see what's going to happen. I think the first furlong would be absolutely fascinating, like I said, from a tactical point of view. Um, I tipped up Dover Legend at 40s um, early in the week, win only, uh, and he's around about that price on the exchange now, basically because I loved his run in the Hardwick on his return. Didn't get a lot of racing room. I thought, I wouldn't have said he would have beaten Pile Driver, no, but I'd like to see how close, much closer he would have got to him with a clear run. He's just got no racing room for the last furlong or so. I thought it was a really good return. That was his first run since running in the Melbourne Cup. And um, yeah, I actually think he's unexposed. Um, you know, the Melbourne Cup run when he was sent off favourite was a really good effort. So I think he's got a lot of mileage on him on just his 10th start. So there's going to be shot. I think Dover legend. And I think Hookham is the most likely winner. Love the horse. He's the form horse on his beat, a defeat of Pile Drive in the Coronation Cup last year. Uh, the comeback run over a mile or two in the Brigadier Gerard was, I thought it was jaw droppingly good. I think he's the official ratings don't bear this out, but they could have gone a lot higher than 122 on that Epsom form last year. I think Hookham is the one to beat, but I'm worried about him getting a little bit shuffled back early on in the start. But yeah, uh, Dover legend, I've taken a swing, but if you ask me the most likely winner, Hookham. Okay, interesting how you sort of feel it's going to play out tactically. Um, Dan, what about you? I mean, I, you know, the way Tony's sort of describing it, I understand, but then also I wouldn't be shocked if they set a really strong gallop and therefore mm. it was slightly more spread out, especially Pile Driver can be very keen to pull his way to the front. But also if Ryan Moore keeps saying he wants a really strongly run, true run race for August Rodan to see the best of him, surely we're not going to see the handbrake on him front. No, and I also think there's an element they might identify King of Steel as their biggest danger and they might think, as I probably think, that any potential hole in him might be a relative shortage of stamina for a stiff mile and a half, considering, I mean, I, I don't know what your fellow, I don't know what the thrill was like when in a derby he was able to accelerate away as he did. I mean, he's he's got a freakish amount of talent, this horse. They're getting him on the track more regularly, that's encouraging. If this was a mile and a quarter, I think I'd make him favourite, but I do think that the... The Kilmore clan won't be backward in coming forward about making this a slog, and I think that's what they might try and do. Luxembourg, I think, is the obvious horse to do that role. Um, but I think what it sets up is a horse who I don't think is getting as much praise as she, which is a giveaway, has been getting in the lead-up in Emily Upjohn. I think she's had a tremendous season so far from two starts. Brilliant in sweeping aside Westover with that burst of pace down the outside at Epsom. And then... For me, they should have ridden those horses in the opposite direction when when she ran against Paddington. Emily's the one who's dropping in trip. She's the one who they should, I thought, try and make it more of a test and try and stretch Paddington. As it was, it was Paddington who was playing the tune and, and she was having to react to it. But she ran an absolute smasher against Aidan's best three-year-old, I think, and um, possibly the best three-year-old. So I'm a massive Emily Upjohn fan. I know... There's been a blob in this race previously, but she looks in really good, Nick. Dead fresh, just two runs this season. She's She wouldn't be 5-1 to one if uh, on my tissue 
anyway. And I think that's primarily because August is taking a bit too much out of the market. The drawing okay. ground, drawing ground from here on in would be in her favour, wouldn't it? She's never yeah, liked. definitely. She's like a perfect bl- I mean, cliche about a perfect blend of speed and stamina, but she she is that, isn't she? She's got a turn of pace, but she sees her races out really strongly. Um, and Kevin, a couple of questions sort of for you. One is, do we think course form is important at Ascot? And also, the weight difference. Surely that's huge. The three-year-olds have 11 pounds off the elders. That is a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't mind either, to be honest. Um, course form, she looks always great to have it, but around Ascot, I think it's it's fairly no excuse. It's territory, and she looked the weight for age. I suppose it is what it is. It's going to be the same for all of them, regardless. Um, like tactically, I think this is just so fascinating. Um, and like I, I think the Bally Doyle crew are going to have an element of control. Um, and you, I suppose you have to try and put yourselves inside their brains and see what they'll be thinking. Um, especially after the Irish Derby, where like they very much had control of that race as well. Um, they elected to not go um over hard. Um, the two main market rivals were likely to be held up, so it suited to um to go a little bit easier in the front. The race got a bit broken up with with, with that unfortunate horse breaking down, and August got kind of left in front too early. Um, and it was just it didn't show him off very well. I think um, given the main opposition here. And the way the draws are stacking up, I think they'll want to go more solid than they did. Um, whether it's Luxembourg, I, I'd be pointing more towards um, Bolshoi Ballet. Um, I think they'll make it a good pace. August Rodan has to get in from a wide draw. So I think they'll want to feel a little bit spaced early. Um, and, and look, not, not, be, not saying it now just, just because for slagging, but okay. And now I'm not just saying that for the sake of slagging now, but I think um, Kevin is going to have a challenge with King of Steel in that he's drawn low. And when you're drawn low, you have to commit a bit earlier to a position. And I just, when I picture the race in my mind's eye, I I could just see this race changing a little bit in the first couple of furlongs in that a position might become established. But when you get the likes of Auguste Rodin crossing from wider, it might just, uh, horses might just end up one or two spots Further back than they initially thought they might be. Um, look, King of Seal is a faster horse um, for me than August Rodan. If, if this rematch was over 10 furlongs, I think it'd be really interesting. And King of Seal would have a right chance. Um, but in, in what could be a sloggy mile and a half, stiff finish, you know, I, I think August Rodan's stamina might just bring him out on top in that particular match within a race. Um, but neither of them are my selection, actually. I, I'd be with Hookham. As well, like I think Hookham doesn't get the respect he deserves. I think he's a very, very good horse. Um, like he doesn't, he hasn't got beat very often. Like you know, and you can you can you can fi- readily find excuses when he has been beaten. And that Coronation Cup performance was, was unreal because I, I have plenty of regard for Pile Driver too, and he absolutely hammered him. Um, and you know, he, he, there was nothing wrong with what he did over ten furlongs beating Desert Crown. A lot of focus on the runner up. But Hookham was very good. And um, I just think the market might be disrespecting him just a shade. Um, but look, fabulous race, the type of race we we always hope will come to fruition on these big occasions. They so often fall apart. Hopefully what we're left with will all run because this, this is tip top stuff. Could be the race of the whole season um, in Europe, dare I say. So mm. can't wait to see it. Hope it's a lovely, clean, clean race, end to end gallop. And we find out what's best. Um, can't wait to see it. Yeah, it really is exciting. I think tactically that is the most fascinating fascinating part and uh, really could 
um, sort of take its toll on a couple of runners. Interesting what you said about King of Steel. I actually haven't kept, spoken to Kevin about how he'll ride him, but I would imagine taking the time and trying to ride for a turn of foot might be um, more attractive than being right up behind the pace and ending up having to be in a battle for two and a half furlongs from turning in. But who knows? Uh, everyone's going to be trying to slot into a nice position. How would you react, Megan, if he's clear into the final furlong? I'll be thinking, where is the line? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't be the derby all over again. Well, you're no, just about yeah. to say, where is the money? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that. Um, no, Already no, spent. Listen, it's it's red hot and, and I and I can't wait. Um, Dovo Legend Tony, I'm just going to quickly make it a, a remark on him. I am going to be there and whoever else is there, have a look at him in the paddock because at Royal Astor, he looked like he was in foal. And I don't know whether that's him and he's just really burly or whether he's going to have tightened up a lot. And if he has tightened up a lot, I'm not saying if he's quite got the class to, to win, but I wouldn't be surprised to, to, to outrun his odds because honestly, he looked huge in the paddock at Ascot. So that's something uh, for people to um, sort of consider is if you are having a look down at the rail, then, then see if he has tightened up or not. Um, but look, we've got, incredible weekend racing ahead what i want to know from everyone is can we have one nap from all of you um for the weekend dan let's start with you who is the nap of saturday yeah shamefully it's the favorite in the biggest field of the day biggles <laughs> to to fly home headgear or not in the seven furlong handicap ascot <laughs> okay and tc uh Aberama gold 240 at york okay and kevin and Caddo Bell, the 225 at Ascot. Nice, solid. Well, look, we've spoiled. I can't wait. Um, just a reminder for everyone, Sportsbook offer this Saturday is bet £5 on horse racing multiples and get a free £5 on horse racing multiples. So everyone remember to get involved with that. Um, I suppose I should probably encourage people to subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave any comments, please. Positive only, lots of thumbs up. That's what we like. Everyone who does get involved this weekend, best of luck. Look for all the big prices and the big handicaps, unlike Dan. We, <laughs> we, we like the 25 to 1 winners. Um, but also, please remember to gamble responsibly. And fingers crossed.